Today's episode is brought to you by the Channel 4.5 Network. Channel 4.5 is home to the best and widest array of podcasts, including shows like Stage Life 918. Hey, this is Frank Gallagher. And I'm TJ Clark. And we are the co-hosts of Stage Life 918 of the podcast. Every episode, we will be talking about the latest in Tulsa area theater... We'll have your calendar of events, your shows coming up, your auditions coming up, ways you can get involved and get rowdy, but not too rowdy. Keep it respectable. We'll be talking to Tulsa area theater artists, the people who will be making theater. They'll be coming in and talking to us. We'll try to get them riled up. We'll try to get them excited. We'll try to make it interesting for you. So come down to your channel, four and a half, and take a listen. That's right. It's Stage Live 918 Podcast. Channel four and a half, creating art on a local level. Uh, I'm rolling. Electric candy, in association with Channel Four Point Five Productions, presents. Are you ready? Assault and flattery with Joel Dameron. Hello and welcome once again to another <coughs> historic, amazing episode of Assault and Flattery. I am your host, Joel Dameron, and I'm coming to you live from the Assault and Flattery studios in uh, beautiful downtown Durant. Um, ladies and gentlemen, I have a dream. It comes to me at night. It ebbs in my gut and flows in my conscious, like a crimson river flowing from an elevator in a Kubrick telling of a King novel. It awakens me sometimes from my slumber, and I think about it daily, constantly, all the time. I have a dream that one day the world people, the U.S., the rest of my fellow human beings will realize that our reality is an illusion, that actuality is the only thing that's real and truth can be faked, even by me. Reality is an illusion. I mean that metaphorically, of course, but I also mean it literally. Sometimes I'm metaphorical, sometimes I'm literal, and sometimes I'm both, kind of like the Bible. I have a dream that one day we'll all realize that our reality, that our pop culture, our feelings, our emotions, our fears, desires, and daily lives are an illusion. Our societies are self-repairing not very well, self-charging not very well, batteries. We help continue the existence of our economy, the economy of America, the country that bombs other countries for killing women and children and in the process kills women and children. The country that's led valiantly charging into battle by an overweight, orange-haired, third-grade, third-rate bully who scrunches his lips and spatters nonsensical used car jargon that I learned in, high, in a high school sales class. The same jargon that I later used to make lesser intelligent girls put their mouths on my penis. All as his hands flail about incessantly like a sign language interpreter during praise and worship. That's the man on our war horse, displaying to the rest of the world just how incredibly intelligent and competent we are here in America. 
But hey, it could be worse. We could have had a woman who was perhaps one of the most corrupt politicians in American history with Japanese robot pantsuits and her overacted, overpracticed speeches, the ticks... The the techniques that I was taught in a freshman-level speech class that I refused to take until my junior year, but hey, live and learn. I have a dream that one day we'll finally understand that the problem with voting for the lesser of two evils is that you're still voting for evil. Hashtag make America evil again. I have a dream that one day we'll finally put down our cell phones and see that our social media profiles are simply a projection of what we wish we were and not what we in fact are. I have a dream that Apple will go out of business and the MacBook I'm typing this on will magically evaporate into thin air, forcing me to frantically write this blovatorial rant down by hand, even when I know that blovatorial isn't a real word. I have a dream that we'll share our stories with each other, verbally, in person, using hands for emphasis and acting out what, oh my god, Bailey did at the party last night. I have a dream that we'll use actual cameras to take and develop pictures, which we'll then share in person with our friends. I have a dream that our walls won't be covered with memes of quotes that weren't actually said by Marilyn Monroe, but instead by memories and family members, film posters, and sometimes simply paint. I have a dream that our thoughts will be branded by discussions and facts rather than the sound that a bird makes. I'd like to think my voice is louder than that. I have a dream that whatever it is we share with our friends, it's actually real. That it's actually from the heart. That it's actually what we're thinking, not just what we're comfortable with saying because we're uncomfortable with intimacy. I have a dream that one day I can give my male friends and loved ones full, long hugs and it not be gay. I have a dream that I can kiss my female friends and loved ones on the cheek and it not be rapey. I have a dream that one day affection won't be a threat to our sexuality. I have a dream that one day women will finally fully understand the pure torture that is having a bulging sack of chemical weaponry between your legs that demands that you fuck something as soon and as often as possible. I have a dream that one day men will finally fully understand the pure torture that is having multiple chemical chemicals coursing through your body at all times that force you to feel things uncontrollably, constantly, whether you want to or not. I have a dream that one day men will fully understand the enormous mental catharsis, the mental fuckery it takes to come to terms with the fact that your genitals uncontrollably leak blood for multiple consecutive days every month till it essentially runs out of that blood and can't anymore, and until that time your mood really isn't up to you. I have a dream that black people will all collectively realize that in the vast scope of history, other minorities exist, and that some of those minorities have actually had it far worse than they have. And that two of those groups currently still exist, and live in North America as well. And one of those groups still experiences just as much peril as the black community, sometimes more. 
The difference is, no one talks about them. No one fights for them, not even them. I have a dream that one day, Native Americans will rise up and take their country back. I have a dream that white people will finally fully understand that being from this country makes you American, but it doesn't mean you're not still a foreigner. I have a dream that one day we'll realize that the word American isn't even American, but rather Italian, that cowboys are Mexican and rock and roll was stolen from black people. I have a dream that one day we'll all realize that America has no culture, only a history of stealing everything else from other cultures, putting a price tag on it, and calling it the American dream. I have a dream that one day we'll finally figure out that making everything a business inevitably leads to corruption, that intelligence is good, and a lack of knowledge is never something to be proud of, that honesty is almost always going to be painful, and personal growth means enduring that pain. I have a dream that, well, wait. I, I guess I should be more accurate and say that I had a dream, past tense. I used to have it. It used to be a dream. Now it's more of a nightmare. It's a nightmare because at some point I realized that these things were never going to change. They were never going to stop. Most, most human beings will continue to be irrational and ignorant and, as a result, do and say stupid things that only continue to make their existence more difficult and sad. And because that is the majority, their decisions will always negatively affect the ones who aren't this. My life, my happiness, my existence will always be affected by the actions, choices, and decisions of people who are too scared to be honest with themselves. And I am unfortunately forced to abide so much for freedom. In actuality, the only existence I can alter is my own. I can attempt to alter my significant others and my children's, but at some point my significant other will stop listening and my children will become teenagers and stop caring about any adult's opinion, let alone mine. Then they'll become adults and they will start making their own choices. Or maybe they'll do as my first child did and move on before they ever began. Until then, I'll continue to make my art and hope that perhaps if I get skilled enough at making movies, then maybe one day I'll make a film as successful as The Fast and the Furious. Then again, I suppose that's what existence is, right? Pursuing the unpursuable while the weights of the weak attempt to drag you into the abyss, pulling at your skin until it falls off and all that's left is a skeleton wandering aimlessly in the darkness. <sighs> Hello, folks. Today um, is going to be a very interesting episode, ladies and gentlemen. That was a, that was a piece that I wrote uh, called I Had a Dream. I promised I would read it two episodes ago, and I didn't in the last one, so I read it for this one. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, very special episode today... Uh, 
I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. The good news is uh, we're gonna have a we're gonna have a fun episode. Uh, the bad news is uh, the guest is Ot Mitchell. Um, Ot, how are you? I am fantastic. Good to be here in the Assault and Flattery Electric Candy Studios here in uh, it's the Assault and Flattery Studios. Uh, uh, assault and Flattery Studios. The show's produced by Electric Candy. Uh, electric. Okay. Uh, where's the candy? Uh, I didn't put any out because I know you have a problem with diabetes, so I didn't... <laughs> I, I'm currently missing the egg. Uh, well, but, you are Native American, so it would make sense. Here we go. Uh, um, <clears throat> good. Finally, uh, to be on uh, Assault and Flattery with Joel Dameron. Yeah, you've been ironically requesting to be on this show for quite some time, O.T., uh, to the point that it's a little creepy that you... Uh, <laughs> I've been. Uh, Want to be on this show so much. I've been waiting outside here, panting. Uh, he finally let me in. Camping out in a tent outside my front yes. door. Uh, uh, only ta- only taking breaks to spend time with Kirby and. Uh, uh, well, I do have a job. Uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, in case Dallas. you don't know, Ot Mitchell is a um, Dallas area comedian, improver, and actor. Um, you've probably seen him in a murder mystery show that he is, uh, he's a director of a theater company. That's his uh, job in Dallas. He also is here on Channel 4.5's, uh, podcast, uh... Peas in the, in the podcast. podcast. Yikes. Um, That's right. Peas in the podcast is the... And it's you and, and Kirby, right? Kirby, yep. My co-host <clears throat> Kirby Kelso. Now, uh, now, Joel, uh, mm-hmm. here, here on Assault and Flattery. Yes. Uh, do you, do you, I, I've listened to your podcast, but I haven't. I, it's it's been a while since I've heard mm-hmm. you uh, have a guest on. Do you do you have any any games that you play, or is it just you and I talking? It's just well, I have a whole list of topics oh, we're going to talk about here. Oh so boy! Just calm down. I'll calm my tits. Uh, just calm it down. <clears throat> calm it. Down. Uh, let me ask you this, Ot. I know you've been working a lot lately. Have you been watching the NBA Finals? I have not been able to watch the Finals, but I have well, been keeping up with it via internet. I'm telling you, they're disappointing. So. I know. Your boy LeBron coming up short. And, and I'm just cracking up because immediately after the Cavs lost Game 3, Everybody was like, oh, Kevin Durant is better than Michael Jordan. Is Kev- Kevin Durant, I mean, Kevin Durant is better than LeBron James. Is Kevin Durant now the best player in the world? Is it no longer LeBron James? And I, you know, come on. Come on. Are you serious right now, folks? Are you serious right now? First of all, LeBron James is literally playing better than Kevin Durant is in this series. Just from a basic stats point of view, which is literal. Okay? Yeah. So get that out of the way first. Number two, of course Kevin Durant is playing very well. Of course he is. When you have the greatest team in NBA history backing you up, it's kind of uh, easy to not be uh, nervous. It's kind of easy to oh, just play well when that's the case. I, I'm si- it's so, like I started turning into Stephen A. Smith on Snapchat. OT, and I was just like, LeBron James, we talking about LeBron James. You do have the forehead for it. I said, LeBron James, I have the hairline for it. Yeah. I said, LeBron James, ladies and gentlemen, we talking about LeBron James. And the fact of the matter is, when you're talking about LeBron James, 
you talking about the greatest player on the planet? So I had to start. That was more of like a combination of Eddie Murphy and yeah. Stephen A. Smith. Is what that was. Uh, but but yeah, it's ridiculous. Let's just not be stupid here, folks. LeBron James is clearly the best player on the planet. Kevin Durant is not. I mean, Kevin Durant might be number two. But that's a distant number two. Let's not be ridiculous here, folks. You. Oh, wow. That was now, here's the question, a lot of burps Joel. there. Uh, you put LeBron James on the Warriors, they're going to win the championship like the next eight years in a row. Do, I mean, it's you, the same. It's, do you it, think it's one day uh, Kevin Durant and LeBron James have another? But uh, do you think one day Kevin Durant will be lucky enough to have a... Uh, uh, a segment on the podcast devoted to a uh, samurai story. Uh, no, he will not. Because um, uh, he's he's could never be. A LeBron no, because he's never going to be a LeBron Jordan. James. The, the the debate for all time greatest player is always going to be LeBron James and Michael Jordan. Oh yeah. It regardless of how many championships LeBron wins, that's always going to be the question. That's always going to be the debate. And like like I said on the thing. LeBron James is the the single greatest player ever. He's the best player that's ever existed. Michael Jordan is the greatest player of all time. Yeah. There's a difference there. Um, <clears throat> did you hear about the uh, Comey stuff? Yes, I actually um, I woke up yesterday and I watched it. Did you watch a little bit? I, oh. watched, it, I, I watched a little bit of it. Did you have fun? In current. Oh, I, I, I did. I was, I was sitting in the living room with my, uh, with my parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, watching the the whole thing, the whole uh, the whole ordeal go down, and uh, he, he said some very interesting things. Hey, uh, and uh, hey, just he didn't leave it, anything. It just comes to the conclusion of like, like you're you're. Let's see. Okay, you have a man who is the head of the FBI, uh, served under two different presidents, uh, from different parties, and. He takes meticulous notes about every meeting he's had with Donald Trump. Uh, he tells what he had in those notes uh, so that he could keep his facts straight. And then Donald Trump's response is, oh, he's lying. Okay, yeah, sure. Maybe. Maybe. But uh, I think chances are a person who keeps meticulous notes and is in charge of investigating you is not just going to make up bullshit. Okay? He's not you, Donald Trump. Um, this The Comey thing is funny, though, because basically you listen to what he said and you're just like, Donald Trump is so fucking weird. He's yeah. just such a goddamn weirdo. It, like, the little stuff he would do to Comey, like, I want your loyalty, and then the next time they meet, he goes, I, I'm assuming we're having, I'm going to have your loyalty because, you know, we had that thing. And Comey's just like <laughs> responds to that by saying in the thing, I never did figure out what that thing was. <laughs> like, oh, Jesus, I mean, such I mean, a just, weirdo. I, I just want to point out that that, that whole thing of, I, I'm assuming that we're going to have, uh, that I'm going to have your trust and loyalty because we had that thing. It's, right. it's like, it's what like thing a, exactly? it's, it's like a high school girl going, well, I thought, I thought we were in a relationship. I thought, you we, know, we had that we thing. Had that. Because, you know, we did that thing. It sounds like a like a high school girl who's not yet comfortable enough to say the word sex. Yeah. yeah. So she's, you know, we had that thing after the you fall know, carnival. You know, you put your thing in my thing. What what, what are you talking about? You what? know, the thing where, like, you know, we, like, we like you know. We did, did you know, stuff. we were, like, kind of naked. And we were, like, 
You know, where you like, you know, fingered me while we were riding the roller coaster. <laughs> like in that movie here with Mark Wahlberg <laughs> and Reese Witherspoon. <laughs> Ugh. Man, you know, like like Reese Witherspoon in Fear. Uh, super hot. You heard uh, you're my, super my hot. My favorite uh, Reese Witherspoon. How dare you? I don't. I don't know that I have a face favorite Reese Witherspoon. Maybe. Um, I don't know. I just never been super into her. I don't know. I, like like her in that movie, and uh, uh, I don't remember the name of the other one, but like young Reese Reese Witherspoon. And Cruel Intentions? Yeah, Cruel Intentions, yeah, 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 that's the one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I never, Sarah Michelle Geller in that movie as well. Never liked Sarah Ooh. Michelle Geller either. Never was into I preferred the girl who played Buffy in the movie Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I've never seen that one. You never saw the movie? I never saw the movie. First of all, the movie was kind of interesting and fun. The show mm-hmm. was shit. But the movie, it was like this blonde girl from the 90s and Jason Priestley, I think. It's Jason Priestley. Anyway. But yeah, um, <clears throat> the Comey stuff, pretty funny. Uh, doesn't look good for Trump. I mean, obviously he said, oh, he's lying. Of course, what else would he say? Um, and, and I just find it so infuriating because like the Republicans, their response to it is w- exactly what you expected. Well, uh, you know, we uh, don't know that that's true. There's no facts. There's, there's no, facts. no uh, unless uh, tapes come out. There's no uh, evidence it's that uh, it's, it's just hearsay. We don't. It's, hearsay. Uh, it's you know, my God, like they like they talked about like Anderson Cooper said if if Donald Trump if Donald Trump <laughs> took a dump on his desk, the Republicans at Fox News would go, well, I mean, uh, who doesn't take a dump on, I mean, I if did, you're not, I, I, I shit on my desk all the time. Yeah, I don't know. Of course, the, uh, the, the Democrats yeah, are acting like it's so crazy to take a shit on your desk. It's, uh, it's not crazy. And then you'd have the stupid, ugly woman who's <laughs> used to be a model, but clearly is past her prime. And she'd be like, I find it ridiculous that they would even talk about him taking a dump on his desk. I mean, how many times did Obama take a dump on his desk? I mean, that's, it's just, it's preposterous, Rick. It's preposterous. I'm, I'm so sick and tired of the Republicans just fucking making excuses. It's like they don't understand. You could walk in on Trump with a video camera and you walk into the room and he's holding a severed bloody head and he has a, a machete in his hand raised above his head about to swing it and then he stops and he's like, oh, oh, I didn't know you were walking in here, sorry. And then that video could be released and the Republicans would go, well, he was just no standing proof. there with a severed head and a, and a machete in his hand. We that doesn't mean he's the one that severed the head. I mean, it's uh, how many compromising situations has Obama been in when he was? A, I mean, it this is goes back to Obama. this is not this is so silly. Like, he, there's no proof that it's, he's the one that severed the head. Let's that's not it's be like whenever I was a child and my and my parents would walk into a room and like I would I would have like a just a mess all over the place and I would try to blame it on my my younger brothers right like it, well, it was them they're like they're, not they're, home. they're like OT you don't home. have any younger brothers you're an only child <laughs> what are you talking what the fuck are you talking your only younger sibling is your brother who lives with your dad not here with us what are you what are you talking about OT what, what are you what are, what are you trying to get at here so essentially yeah Donald you know the, the people the Republicans are trying to defend Donald Trump with a 12 year old's argument as to why there's a mess in the room um, and it's just 
it's so silly because I think Republicans, they don't seem to get it. They don't seem to understand that, you know, they keep complaining. I heard one person recently say, it's so crazy that this many people are trying to act like there's a problem with Donald Trump. It's just crazy because that's never been that way. And I'm like, yes, it's, it never has been that way with a president. The, the fact that there's so many people complaining and freaking out about him should tell you something. The fact that this many people, more than ever before in the history of our country, are upset with him being president should tell you something. It should tell you exactly what the truth is, is that in this particular situation with Donald Trump, it's not about politics. That's what they don't seem to understand is that it's not about politics, OT. It has nothing to do with politics. We've had, we've had Republican presidents a lot. We had one eight years ago named George Bush. You know, Democrats are going to disagree with him, but that's not it. There's people that don't want him president that aren't Democrats, that, that are independent. There's people that don't want him president that are Republican, and the Republicans keep defending him like this is an issue of policy. This isn't an issue of politics. Nobody gives a fuck about that. We can get over that. We don't like him because it's him, specifically, as a person. And they've been mistaking that the entire time he's been president, the entire time he was running, as soon as he announced he was running. They don't get it. It's not about politics. It's about him being a crazy person. And he's so obviously a crazy person who does so obviously stupid shit on a daily basis... I mean, I, you heard the man say, talk, sit there and talk with another guy about how, yeah, when you're rich, you can just grab him by the pussy. Just grab him by the pussy, right there. You just walk in. I don't even, I don't even ask him anymore. I just walk up and I start kissing him on the lips. I can't help it. I love beautiful women. What am I, what am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? Like a big fucking meathead. And we ignored that because we thought, they ignored that because they were like, oh, they just don't like him because he's a Republican. No, nobody gives a fuck about that. Nobody hates you. I just love that that's a quote from our president. Grab them by the pussy. You can grab them by the pussy because you're rich and they're <laughs> fucking just dumb pieces of vagina that you can fuck. So Dear Lord. That's what our president said on tape. We, ha we like, have proof when, of that. When the Republicans just ignored that and tried to pass it off as a, well, the Democrats we, just don't like us. A, they just the don't fuck? like us because we're conservative. It's just locker room talk. They just don't understand us. The people in the South think it's about them being Southerners. It's not about nobody cares that you're a Southerner. That's not the point. You're trying to divide the country. The country, listen, nobody cares. If you want to live in your rural place, that's not what it's... It's because it's Trump specifically, and they still don't get that yet. And they're, and they're so stupid that they love the Republican Party so much that they can't even see him do stupid shit and go, yeah, that's kind of sketchy. That's a little stupid. Why is he doing that? They can't even admit that he's doing something. We're talking about a president. We're talking about a president who misspelled... Uh, 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 coffee. No, he, no, he misspelled. He, what did he? Um, coverage. Oh yeah. He misspelled coverage and typed in Kofifi, and he couldn't even admit that he typed in the wrong word. 
This is what we're dealing with, OT. A man who can't even admit he typed, he made a spelling error on social media. He goes, oh, no, that was a real word. No, certain people know what oh, I mean. That's a cool secret. Freebie. It's a, it's it's a, a secret joke. code. It's a secret code word. People know. I'm just, you know, uh, I'm smarter than everyone else. Uh, are you fucking kidding me? Uh, you know what I did last night, OT? <laughs> <laughs> Have sex? I don't know. What. Uh, no, I did the day before I had sex twice, so I didn't. Of sex yesterday, but I saw I, I went with my wife, little B, and I went with Nick and Taryn, and we went and saw It Comes at Night. Whoa, how was yes. that? Yes, we had to travel all the way to Ardmore for it because Ardmore. Sherman's Theater is uh, taking half of its theaters and replacing the seats. Half of really? half of the actual rooms where the screens are, they're replacing the seats, and then that. when those are replaced, they'll show movies in those and replace the other half. You know. So it wasn't showing, but I was surprised it even got a wide release because it's by A24, which is a really arty independent film company. And I was like, this film looks and is by all accounts going to be super arty and mainstream is not going to like this at all because I'm guessing it's a metaphor for like immigration or something like that. Yeah. Um, It's one of those horror films that's like what a horror film is supposed to be, Mm. which is that it's just like science fiction or satire. It's like a giant metaphor for something we need to fix in society. Yeah. That's the whole point of horror films. People don't realize that, but that's the whole intentional purpose behind horror. Horror is like basically a subgenre of science fiction, and it serves the same purpose, teaching moral lessons through literature, right? Um, and I was like, this looks like that, like the, ba- the Babadook was, and it's being called a horror masterpiece and all this shit, Aww. and I'm like... I went and saw it, and I'm like, okay, Slash Films, how dare you say this is a horror masterpiece? What the fuck are you talking about? It's not a horror masterpiece. It was good. It was okay. But it wasn't, like, amazing, groundbreaking. Like, it it was. It takes place all in, like, one little location. There's only, like, five actors or something, and six Ooh. actors in the whole film. Very small. Um, I think Brooke liked it more than I did, because she's into more arty, abstract stuff. I didn't like it as much. I thought it was obviously a metaphor for like immigration and how and kind of also where the situation our country is in right now where everybody's turned viciously against each other and is like we're splitting up into our groups you're different we don't like you get away from you us. don't like us get away from us all this paranoia and then me and Brooke read a thing by the filmmaker after and it, that he talked about not that it was about immigration or what's going on right now but it was about uh, human beings separating themselves from each other and having a tribal mentality and being paranoid and killing each other because they can't get along and all this, which is all the components yeah. in the people who are afraid of immigration. Um, speaking of immigration, OT, so It Comes at Night was an okay movie, not amazing yeah. or anything. It was good. I can tell you, Nick, I think, was iffy about it. Mm-hmm. Taryn, though, hated it so much. Ah, Taryn's a man who likes, you know, superhero movies. And uh, as much as he makes for it, makes fun of it, films like Transformers. So, of course, this movie, he was just wanted to kill himself, I think. Well, I'm going to watch that. It was so funny watching Taryn trying to mentally process this 
artistic horse shit in his face and he just can't fucking it was hilarious um it's like watching you try and do geometry it's, it's oh funny. man that's a oof, that's a tedious task Ugh, I hate doing geometry. <laughs> Still wish you were on the show now, OT? Huh? Uh, yes, I don't. <laughs> uh, speaking of uh, of it comes a night, it comes at night, and immigration and people being freaked out by immigrants and crap like that. Yeah. You recently performed a show in Dallas. Well, I uh... for for the governor and his wife. Uh, well, just the governor's wife. The governor's wife. The, just the governor's the wife. The governor of Texas? The governor of Texas. Yes. The governor of Texas's wife. Yes. And, uh... Old Cecilia Abbott. Yeah. What's the governor's name? Greg Abbott. Greg Abbott. And so you you did it... What? Why was his wife having a big dinner? Well, okay, thing? so it was, uh... uh I, don't, I don't exactly remember the name of the group, but it was uh, a Republican... Uh, women's convention. Yeah. And uh, she was there as like a guest. Oh, great. That sounds terrible. Uh, Republican women's convention. It was, it was at like a very... It, it sounds it was, like the worst. It was at an art museum, right? Ugh. And the How guy, dare they? The guy that ran it, he uh, was just very... Like, he was very annoyed by the people. So and, like, Was so, he super democratic? And uh, apparently and... not. Uh, he was a... Uh, because as he, he came up to me, he was like, uh, he was like, so this was my first interaction with the man. He goes, uh, I was there with another one of my actresses, and, and he goes, are you two Democrats? And I was like, uh, or not, no, he didn't say Democrats. He said, are you two Republicans? And I was like, um, I didn't know how to answer him. I didn't know if he was or not. I was willing to bet that he wasn't, but I, I just kind of like Well, if he's talking there. like that, he's either, uh, uh, a, a southern gentleman Republican or gay as fuck. I, I didn't want to assume either way. Uh, and so, he, like, uh, my my actresses go, yes. And I'm, I'm like, I'm still sitting there. I'm like, I don't know what to say. I don't want to oh, uh, make any enemies here. Uh, so, as, like, I'm sitting there, he goes, I'm a floater. And I was like, ah, I float. I do float. I float. <laughs> You're like that's the term. I float. I that's float. I float. Oh, really? Because I float too. Interesting. Uh, I I also float, and so like he's in there, and he's just uh, he's just like just railing on these women, right? And one of them, uh, like the the he's client... unloading all of his stress on you yeah. because you're the only <laughs> other floater in the room. I'm like, I don't know what to say to you, dude. <laughs> uh, and so the 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 lady holding the event comes up, and she's like. She, you can tell she's been drinking, and she's like, <laughs> like freaking out because she, she. The governor's some, wife or the uh, lady who's in charge of this women no, Republicans lady, coalition. The lady that was in charge of the of the Republican. Were they were they all wearing very modest dresses? Uh, yes, yes. No uh, cleavage going on. No cleavage, and they were they were older oh, ladies. That so sounds I, like I the worst. Really, I wasn't really paying attention. The uh, only thing I dislike about it more than a group of women is a group of women with no cleavage. <laughs> Am I right? What? Uh, so, Sexism. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, like, as we're as like we're talking, like the lady comes up and she's freaking out. She's been drinking, yeah. And she's like, she's like sitting there stressing out about the event. Walks away, and the guy just rolls his eyes and was like. <laughs> See what I had to deal with, and walks away. 
And so later on uh, in the event, uh, you know, the, the governor's wife gets there. And I've never had any sort of contact mm-hmm. with Secret Service or Oof. FBI. So yes. I am automatically just a There was an FBI wreck. there in Secret yeah, Service? Yeah, she, she had like her... Her, her you know, detail, her security yeah, her detail? her security detail. Ugh, and Lord. like, I'm like kind of <clears throat> paranoid because I'm like, I don't, I'm a large man. And you had a lot of weed on you? uh, No. Uh, All all it's going to take is me just reaching my hand into my pocket, pulling my phone out too fast, and next thing you know, I get shot. That's what I'm concerned about See, the good news was you're white, so that probably won't happen. Now, if you were black, you'd have to really slowly be like, I'm getting my phone out of my pocket right now. Uh, but, but like I like the entire show, I was walking. I mean, you're you're in hands. Texas. Everybody probably had guns on them. So. Oh, probably. Like, uh, but okay. So during the show, I'm just walking around with my hands up like this. Right. Uh, like like just real, just up by my by like my chest, right. and uh, like just very awkwardly walking around because I'm me and that. Uh, Not reaching for a gun, a folks. Nervous, uh, obviously, I'm gonna be a nervous mess here. Right. But before the show. She wanted me to give the run through of how like the death works because they wanted to make sure that there were like uh, you know no props and if there were props uh, that they that her security detail was knowledgeable of it right right and so I made sure not to bring any of our any of our uh, like weapon props and so at one point the whenever I'm talking to the guy the lady holding the event comes up and she was like. Uh, she was like, I think they should have brought guns. I would have loved to see some guns. And, and, he, and the guy just very just casually was like, I don't like guns. I don't think guns should be at this. And she was like, I, oh, I, got, my, I got my guns in my home. And he was like, well, you can have your guns in your home. You can have whatever you want. Uh, you can have an automatic weapon. I don't care. I just don't want it here because if I see someone talking to her like she's a child, and he was like, because if I see someone with a gun, it makes me want to grab my gun and shoot them. And I was like, <laughs> Yeah, because that's how you solve the issue of I'm just sitting there the very awkwardly listening to this. Right. And so, like, like yeah, like the governor's wife was there, and she's uh, she's on stage, like, giving her spiel. And, like, I've never been around, you know, a, a big politician or a big politician's mm-hmm. wife. So, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there awkwardly, like, I don't know what the fuck to do. Whenever we stand up to, to see her get on stage, I'm, like, about to sit back down whenever she gets up there and starts talking. But apparently that's not, that's not something that you're supposed to well, do. Well, you're supposed to bow to the queen when you meet her, O.T. But she's, she's not the queen. We don't have a queen. I was, so, it was a joke, OT. So we're we're like we're, like we're all still standing up, and I'm about to sit down, and my assistant's like, OT, don't don't sit down. And so I'm like I like finally she like tells us all to sit down, but I didn't even know that that was a thing. And so like like she's there. She didn't really like participate all that much in it, but she uh, she started talking about the. Uh, about about Trump and uh, mm-hmm. uh, his immigration policy. Oh, of right? course, and, of course, yeah. Uh, You're so, in Texas. Why would you not talk about immigration? Policies? Yeah, and and so then I, I did some research and I found out that her parents are actually Mexican immigrants. So she so she was against immigration, I, of course, because she's yeah, a Republican yeah. and she's Texas. She's a Texan. Uh, 
And so what you're telling me is you looked her up later and found out that that she's a first generation American. Her parents are immigrants from Mexico. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, what? How does that what so you're against the very thing that is why you exist and why you are where you are. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I hate it when they're against uh, immigration too because every white person that's here in America is a product of immigration. Every single one. The only people in America that aren't immigrants are Native Americans, obviously. Yeah. So it's just stupid that they would be against immigration in the first place. It's dumb and it's kind of ignorant because... That a lot of times they don't even realize. Like even Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz used to be the governor of Texas, didn't he? Or was he a senator from Texas? I don't know. Anyway, he's Republican. His last name is Cruz, for God's sakes, and he's against immigration. His he, he also a first generation American mother was Cuban against immigration. You're against the very thing that is why you Talk exist and why your mother's here. Jesus Christ. I tell you these kids these days. So ungrateful. Uh, so I, speaking of the governor's mansion, I heard, O.T., that, uh... The governor's mansion? Well, the governor's performance, whatever, the okay. council of... I know what you the mean. The council of lady republicans. The people um, there. Uh, the council of ladies with sticks up their asses. Mm-hmm. Um, I... <laughs> yeah. I heard that there were a bunch of sex traffic girls there. Okay. That, okay. That All right. Okay. Wanted that were flirting right. them up with some OT. That wanted okay. themselves okay. some OT. Okay. So here's the story. That's All right. right. That's what Kirby told me. Uh, she said those sex traffic girls were really into you. Uh. Okay. So. Okay. So. Uh. During the show, there was this this table of uh, girls that were you know early uh, on into late twenties, right? And they were like very. Like they were very flirtatious with me, and I'm like, oh, oh, okay, okay, OT like you. Yikes! And uh, <laughs> believe me, folks, if you've ever seen OT Mitchell in person, that is the last thing you want <laughs> is for OT to be confident sexually uh, and uh, coming at, right at you. <laughs> uh, so then I'm coming for them titties, girl. Dear Lord, I'm uh, OT Mitchell. <laughs> so uh, okay, so like. There was one, one of the girls played a, a character in our show, right? Mm-hmm. And so after the show, like, you know, I was, I was telling my, my actors, you know, I was like, uh, I was like, man, she was just, like, she was kind of, I, I was digging that. And so they said, OT, th- that was the table of sex trafficked girls. And I, I didn't believe them. I didn't believe them at all. Because I was like, <laughs> like, no, they just mentioned that. They just talked about it. I don't, no, no, that's not, that's, No. And so then I get home that night, and I'm like, you know, looking up, uh, looking up to see if, you know, there's any pictures of the event on yeah. the internet, see if there's any reviews, and sure enough, like there was an article, and it in the what, article was the article called "Sex Traffic Ladies of the Night." Uh, no, uh, that's <laughs> not what it was called. Uh, so like I go in there and I'm like reading through it, and uh, then they have uh, a little article in there about. The sex trafficked girls meeting the governor's wife. Oh Jesus! And I immediately, I'm like, of course, of course that what? what? And then you looked at the pictures and you were like, I remember that girl. She asked for my number. Uh, and like, okay, so, so what you're telling me is that girls who have a history of sexual abuse gravitate gravitate naturally towards Ot Mitchell. 
<laughs> and I already have my own issues there, so <laughs> like I already have my own they issues. Can, they can smell it on you. <laughs> they, yeah, and in issues and issues, they just don't. They don't go good. They, they don't no, go good together. No. And for some reason, that's uh, just daddy issues and all that just attracted to me. And I'm like, of course, of course, this is what. Well, I mean, that's that's how we met, OT, was we had a one-night, you and I had a one-night stand, (laughs) because I was like, I have a lot of daddy issues, and and I met you, and I was like, I've got to fuck that penis, and that's what happens. Uh, For some reason, all of this, all this chest hair uh, makes (laughs) makes people go, daddy. Woo, yikes. Fuzzy, fuzzy little bear. OT's, OT's a fuzzy little bear. I'm a fuzzy Yikes. little bear. Yikes. That's gross. Ugh. Uh, here's my one question about your night with the National Convention of Texas Republican Women, whatever the fuck it was. <laughs> uh, here's my question about that. <laughs> that and I, and I think I already know the answer. Okay. Um, now, a lot of times when you do these shows, OT, the client will tip you. Mm-hmm. Even though you're already being paid by the company and stuff like that, they will tip you because it's you know it's nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been on these shows with you, and one we've gotten tipped before. I've been on this show, these shows without you, and been tipped before, and it's nice. Mm-hmm. So here's my question: Did the did the Republican Women's Council of Texas, who was having a special gala dinner thing for sex traffic women to meet the governor's <laughs> wife, did they tip you? No. I didn't think so. You know, who would have tipped you? Democrats. I mean... You know who would have tipped you, OT? Democratic Women's Councils. I, like, I never I never go into shows expecting to get No, tipped. of course not. And, like, I didn't think but, I would get tipped going but into anybody, this one. But anybody who's had a job in which you get tips has put together and seen the patterns of people who tip and don't tip. And I can tell you right now, a group of Republican political figures, no, you're not getting a tip on that one. I mean, it is what it is. Uh-huh. I mean, it was... Uh... Way, way to be nice, <laughs> T. Mitchell. Way to try and be nice. I mean, I, would it have been nice? Yeah! Conversation me and OT Mitchell has always ends up turning into Charlie Day talking about cheese at the end of it. Um, you know what? Uh, I I did you see Wonder Woman yet, OT? I have not. I had I my last really episode. I talked about it. It wasn't great. Um, I was going into it expecting to like it. Um, I was just. It's about time they make a movie with a woman superhero. Um, they took long enough. But it was terrible on every level. It really wasn't any good. 
I mean, and it keeps getting a bunch of positive press because of the political aspects yeah. of it. Like I, I mean, yeah. and it's, it's it's to the point where news outlets are blatantly. I noticed on Yahoo earlier, news outlets are going, "Wonder Woman is breaking all kinds of records. Let's keep it going, everybody." Encouraging everyone to fakely like this film simply for political reasons. I mean, I'm not. I don't want to go see it, but that's just because I'm not really into superhero movies. No, either uh, either am I. Uh, I just think it's really ridiculous to over politicize uh, a topic. I, it's really ridiculous to say you should go out and like a topic because uh, it shows that you're. Um, Politically relevant and uh, up on issues that matter, right? Like it's just that you shouldn't like something because of that. You should like it because it's good. Yeah. I just feel like, especially from like a perspective of female equality and female empowerment, which is what this whole fucking thing is turned into. Um, it's making it not fair to women. If you're telling everybody they have to like it because it's a woman, a film about women mm-hmm. and a film that promotes women equality and women power, you can't make people like that to promote that or else it makes it unequal. Yeah. In order for it to be equal to hold women, in order for women to be equal, you have to hold them to the same standard you would hold any other man. Mm. Okay. So that film has to be held to the same standard as every other film ever. And for it to truly right. be for, equal. For, for there to truly be some kind of sense of... because and, and Brooke said the same thing. My wife said the same thing. I'm not proud of that. I'm not proud of Wonder Woman coming out. I'm not proud of people telling uh, everybody else that they have to like it because it's about a female. That actually, that actually cheapens females. Yeah, and she's actually not proud of that because it actually makes females look weak. It makes females look as if we all have to like them and get behind them, everybody, so that you know they do well. How about it just does well because it's good? How about yeah. that? Because that would actually mean something. <sighs> Did you hear about uh, the Bill Maher using the N word? OT? Yeah, I actually watched the video. <laughs> Dear Lord. <laughs> He just kind of threw it in there. He just threw it in there, man. Like, it was just uh, just casual. I mean, I didn't find it super offensive, but... I mean, you know, he's just trying to make a joke. I uh, mean, he said it in a likeful, playful manner. Yeah, he didn't use uh, the hard R. He, he just said it. Yeah. Um, I don't think he needs to be fired. I mean, he's a, he's a, a very controversial comedian. Yeah. Who does and says a very controversial thing? I don't think he needs to be fired. I think you know he apologized. I think that's enough. Yeah, that, I mean that's enough. I mean, should he have said it? No, no, not no. really. I mean, I mean it's, it, he could have just said, "I think we can all agree I'm someone who uh, doesn't work in the fields, someone who wouldn't work in the fields." I think it's fair to say I would be working in the big house. Yeah, like he could have just said he that. Have still got you know, the point across. I think it's fair to say. I'd be the one serving lemonade. Yeah. I think, I mean, you know, he come on. He still could have got the point across. Come on. Without. Yeah, that's... And I, and I guarantee you, I don't... I mean, there were some black people that got really upset, of course. But yeah. I think that... Um, I, I would think someone like Samuel L. Jackson probably wouldn't be upset about it. Yeah. He'd probably say, 
I don't, who cares? Who fucking cares? I know Bill Maher's not racist. That's all that matters. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, of, of course, inevitably there will be. Um, I'm not going to ask you, OT. I'm not going to put you on the spot and ask you whether or not you say the N-word. Or have ever said the N-word. Because I feel like that would be mean of me. Or rude of me. But I will say that I have said the N-word before. Uh, not necessarily in a derogatory way. Oh, yeah. I say it a lot when I'm singing along to rap songs, I'll tell you that. Well, it's, it's in the song. I do feel as a fellow minority, and I know I can't necessarily... Well, actually, let's go back here. If my family lineage is, uh, as those who listen to the show know, I'm Native American, uh, so <clears throat> I'm a minority. I belong to quite possibly the smallest minority group and most overlooked minority group in American history, the Native Americans, uh, you know, who uh, at certain points in history have had it far worse than the African Americans did in. North America. Um, <clears throat> I, as a fellow minority, um, if you trace back my heritage, OT, on my uh, dad's side, if you go back, mm -hmm. there was a point at which uh, one of his, one of the men in his family was in the Navy and traveled to um, another part of the country and he brought back with him a wife. And the people who lived in that country on that island were people who were mixed-raced people, mm. um, and they were mixed between the natives of that island and black people. Yeah. And I think they weren't, like, African black people. I think they were, like, um, tropical country black people, like uh, Jamaican and Haiti and stuff like that. Like, they weren't traditional African black people. Um, and so this wife he brought back was that she was a mixture of black and you know whatever their native origin was on that island and so their kids were you know part black and that's where my lineage comes from so I'm not saying there's enough black in my history that I can speak on black issues because there's not um, and uh, I don't necessarily think uh White. I don't think anybody who's not black could necessarily speak for black people. Yeah. Um, I get mad when white people try to decide what is and is not offensive to Native Americans. Like the owner of the Redskins who says uh, the Redskins team name is honoring Native American people. It's not, and you can't make that call. Yeah, Because you're white, so too bad. Um, <clears throat> but I, I will say that as a fellow um, minority... I think it is kind of silly for black people to use the N-word. Mm. Um, I, I understand what they're doing. I've heard Ice Cube talk about the use of the N-word and talk about how it's they've kind of taken it back and they use it their own way instead of letting it be used the way. I understand that, but I'm kind of one of those people that's like, you know, I don't think it should be used. Because yeah. I can tell you right now, as a Native American... I don't want to use the word savage to talk to my other... 
I don't like I see other Native Americans I'm not like what's up savage what's going on blanket ass woo I just I don't think that's I don't think that's appropriate I think it's terrible everyone would look at you like you're crazy right like what's up skin what's up skin I just I think that's a little silly I think it's a little silly because, you know, uh, my people, our people, OT, because you found out you're Indian. Yeah. You're Native American. Uh, Native. Um, our, our, our women and children were killed in villages uh, in the 1800s, and the women had their breasts cut off by, by Union soldiers oh. and turned into tobacco pouches to keep Here, as trophies. Lord. So, to me... I just wouldn't walk up to another Native American and go, What's up, Skin? How you doing? Savage, you silly. You know, that just, it seems irresponsible, I think, from a historical perspective. And I, I'm just kind of, I'm like, I think you guys should uh, disavow that word altogether. Yeah. Instead of using it in any way. But again, I understand the whole, I want to be irreverent and use it. And you, it, so that at least it's used in my own way, and yeah. Rather than your way, I understand that too. I'm just saying I think I might pick the option of never using it if I was black. But um, again, maybe I'm not allowed to speak on those things because I'm not, because I'm so little an amount of black OT that it doesn't really count. Kind of like how you're so little an amount of Native American that it shouldn't count, but somehow it did, and you got a CDID <laughs> anyway. Um, <clears throat> as, as Joel would put it, uh, I'm so little in the amount of uh, in the amount of Native that I get cut once, and I'm just I'm well. Gone, you've, gone it's out. probably already gone. I mean, I know you cut yourself shaving before, <laughs> so, so the Indian is probably out of you by now. Yeah, I'm just uh, a full-on whitey. <laughs> So what else have you been up to? We're we're out. I I ran through all the topics I wanted to discuss oh, on the show. Hell. So, uh, well, I I am uh, just doing my thing, oh, uh, going about life. Uh, no, <laughs> I okay. So I uh, okay. So I realized I have realized something about myself. Mm-hmm. I um I am uh, I like I, I decided that I I wanted to go to therapy. Right, you know, give it a give it a go, you know, give it a mm-hmm. try. And when I when I made the call, what are you Jewish? Uh, maybe I don't know what I am, Joel. <laughs> I could be anything at this point. I don't know. Um, There's some Jewish. I tell you what, I am. I'm confused. Um, <laughs> well, I think I think if anything's clear, then. <laughs> uh, um, so I like I I made the call. You know, I, I set up my therapist appointment. And immediately afterwards, I was really excited to go to therapy, and I just, I feel like that is not uh, something that should ever be a thing, excited about going to therapy. Like, well, have, you, have you ever been to therapy, Joel? I have. I, I was going to serious psychologist uh, as a child because mm-hmm. I was a, a problem child who exhibited... Uh, characteristics that uh, we don't uh, appreciate or like in a classroom environment. I went to therapy when I, well, I don't really know if I went to therapy. Because, like, my parents, they put me uh, in a, 
and they like took me to therapy. But really, the only thing I remember about it was to give me medicine, uh, to put me on Adderall, yeah, uh, so I could do better in school. And I did do better in school, but then whenever I got off of it, I could still do good. It was just a matter of I didn't want to really do good do anymore. Good. Yeah, I just didn't really care. Yeah, I think you need to talk a little louder because the mic for some reason is not. I don't know why. Uh, there but, we go. That's a little better. Uh, yeah. Um, so, <clears throat> like, I didn't really want to do better in school. Right. No, I, I, they tried to put me on ADD medication as well because they mm. thought that I, uh, I was ADD. But uh, my mom said no, and my dad said no, and uh, I just continued to get in trouble all the time until I eventually got kicked out of two different schools. I, I actually had you remember in school suspension where they would yeah. you would have to go to a separate room for a week and yeah. you're just in there with two other fucking losers. Yeah. Um, I I had to do that when I was in first grade. That's how much I got in trouble. They put me in in school suspension in first grade, and they didn't have an in school suspension program for f- elementary kids because it wasn't that big of an issue. And so they had to take me every morning. The principal would put me in his car and take me to the high school. Where I would go to a little building and I would walk in and all the kids that were in there were like in high school and middle school and they would just stare at me and be like, uh, what are you doing here? Uh, and so I had to go to that building. So from a very early age, I was told constantly, you're not like everyone else and we don't like it and you need to stop it and was constantly removed from see, everyone else like in my school we didn't have like a, a separate building uh, yeah. or whatever when i was in elementary school like i would get put in a lot because like i you know I, I did have my my issues did you get in and, fights or were uh, you just uh, causing disruptions uh, no i just wouldn't focus on my schoolwork like it was mm. just it was hard like i just uh it was hard for me to focus like i would constantly just want to be like looking off and and, you know, uh, I was, like, always in my own little world. And I wouldn't even go, like, talk to kids. Right. Like, I would just, like, sit there at my desk just tracing shit. And, like, uh, we had, like, a little cubicle that we would just go sit down in. And I didn't mind that. I would sit there and do the exact same thing that I was doing in a desk because I didn't right. really like talking to people. Yeah, I remember what at one point, like, in middle school, I they put me in in-school suspension for the entire second semester of the school year. Dang. Me and another kid who always who were who became friends and then got in trouble all the time, mm-hmm. we they put us together in in school suspension for the entire second semester, and so it was just me and him in little cubicles, in like the special ed teacher's room. Yeah. And she would give us our lessons, and then we would like she would walk us down to the cafeteria every day. We didn't go to recess. I mean, it was like being in solitary confinement. <laughs> For school for an entire semester. I remember. It's, I mean, that I think about that now, and I'm like, if they tried to fucking do that to my child, I'd remove them from that school. Like, That's like back, seems ridiculous. Looking back on my schooling, I like there was a moment. How could I have possibly been that different and that much of a problem in class that they had to remove me? Completely and put me in some kind of solitary confinement. Like, I, I never had anything like that. But yeah. looking back, there was a moment, and I and I, I, from my recollection, I remember it starting to happen around uh, second or third grade, maybe even early as first. I think that my teachers legitimately thought that I was like mentally handicapped <laughs> because. Well, I, I mean, have you ever met yourself? 
no, I still have yet to meet Because a lot of people I know think you're mentally in now. I just, <laughs> I just don't know how, like, I don't, like, it's weird for me to talk, like, I'm very socially awkward. Um, and so, like, whenever I would start to show my, my, uh, a real personality yeah. around people, uh, I, people would automatically assume that I was on drugs. Like I remember being like a uh, sophomore or junior of high school. Well, you do know. you do do drugs constantly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but I remember being like I remember being in like sophomore or junior year uh, in my math class and I was just in a I was having a good day and I was just talking and there was one kid in my class that just wouldn't shut the hell up. <laughs> and so I started being really sarcastic. And my my teacher pulls me out, and she goes, "Ot, where where are you today? Where are you today, Ot?" And I was like, "I'm right here." Where am I today? What, are you, what the oh, fuck kind of question is that? I'm right here. I'm right here in front of you. And she what goes, "Are that? you?" She like gets really serious and looks at me in my eyes and goes, "Ot, are you high? Are you high right now?" <laughs> and look, and she goes, "Your eyes are dilated." And I was like, "I." Have no idea Your eyes are dilated all the time. They were dilated a while ago. My eyes They're are dilated right now as you get talking about this conversation. My eyes are always dilated. I don't They're, know why. You're always turned on. <laughs> Just 24-7, baby. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> but, like, she... You, she you do me. act like you're on drugs sometimes, and it's funny to watch. Uh, but, I like, I don't do drugs. I and, know. like... The uh, she so she sends me to the principal's office and like I'm sitting there and he goes, "Are you on drugs?" I'm like, "No, I've never touched a drug oh, in my life." Good lord! And he was like, sort of like giving, just giving me all these questions. And I was like, "You know, I'm just having a good day." I don't want to turn this into a political thing, but I can't help but feel if you and I had been born and raised in a place on the west coast or east coast that I don't think we would have been put through that much, Maybe. Or, or accused of that much random trickery all the time because i was constantly just accused of things constantly uh, all the time uh, apparently i was looked at I as a doing. problem child uh as i found out because my um I, w- I was going somewhere with my mom and like we were we were talking about i don't even remember how we got on the conversation uh but uh, oh we were talking about uh we were talking about my uncle and my uncle had like a lot of problems growing up and uh you know was in and out of prison throughout his throughout his life um, and she goes, well, OT, it's like you, you know, how many teachers I, I, I had conversations with that just thought you were a bad child and they would go on to tell your next grade and that didn't stop until high school. So apparently every teacher that I had until high school was just constantly telling people that I was just a troubled child. Jesus. And, and the thing is, I've never been in, in any uh in any trouble with the law i mean sure you know i've had my fair share of uh traffic tickets but but, uh well that just makes me a bad driver uh but i've never had any problems with the law i'm just i i don't know i Um, feel like that's i feel like the same the same exact stuff happened to me all the time i but i feel like that um has to do with I feel like the same problem that our education system has is the same problem that our prison systems have. Like, we don't really want to fix the problem. We just want to accuse the person of doing something and lock them away. Yeah. Um, Which I think is a terrible idea. I always had one teacher in every school that I... Because I went to a ton of schools. I always had a... 
teacher, one teacher in every school that that got me and understood, and was like, no, you, you need you need to leave him alone. He's just really smart and he thinks differently than everyone else. That's it's not a capital crime here. He's just different. Um, and but every other teacher, as you know, I'm a huge person, and so are you. You're also We're a both huge person. Very, uh, large. Um, you're large and long and tall, and I'm just huge and tall. So, uh, so like, and I was always that the biggest kid in class. So what would happen to me is like this: the kid in class who was the giant douchebag mm-hmm. was always like the smallest ratty kid who was trashy, right? And he would always like hit me with stuff. Or, I mean, this was every school I went to ever until, like, junior year of high school, this shit went on. Every school I went to, the smallest, rattiest, trashy kid would, like, hit me with sticks or throw crowns at me for, like, three hours. And then I'd be like, stop it, and yell at him after three hours and throw a crown at him, and the teacher would go, Joel, office now. Every single every fucking time. time. Every fucking time. Every time. <clears throat> and I just remember getting into high school and shit like that happening. And me just being like, all right, that's it. I'm fighting you now. This is it. Oh, <laughs> like, I got into and high just school. fighting the kid and getting in trouble. I got into high school and all that shit stopped because everyone just assumed that because I was weird and quiet that I was going to be the guy. That you were going to shoot everyone. Yeah. You know, <laughs> everyone just assumed it. And I was like, I'm not going to. Listen I'm to not this. Gonna be like, I'm not going to try to be a good person here. I'm yeah. just going to let you think it. Right. Listen to how weird this is. I remember when the Columbine shooting happened, mm-hmm. uh, and I was probably ten or something like that when it happened. And I remember it happening and everybody in the media freaking out and going, why did these kids do that? The big question is, why did the kids do it? Why That's what we're looking at. It. And I just remember going, what the fuck do you mean? Why did they do it? What do you mean? Why did they do it? They did it because all of the fucking preppy jocks picked on them all the time. Just like they pick on me all the time. You know how badly I'd love to go into school with a fucking gun and shoot all of them in the fucking head? Do you, like, what do you mean why? Of course that's why they did it. They did it because they got picked on. And maybe if you stop picking on the people that are different, you wouldn't get students shooting up your fucking school, you morons. Like, I just remember just looking at that going, how obvious is this? How stupid do you have to be? How about you leave the weird kids alone? And not them treat alone. them... Not, how about... Let them play d You don't let the students do. and the teachers treat them like they're pieces of shit. Because that's what happens. Because it wasn't just the students that acted like I was just a crazy person. The it was teachers. the teachers as well. The and I'm like, you're supposed to be a fucking adult. Like, ugh. I, I saw uh, to to jump back on onto the whole teacher uh, accusing me of being on drugs. I saw that <laughs> teacher like two years after I graduated high school. Yeah, and they and, were on meth. Uh, yeah, she was uh, a crack whore. I uh, paid her for no. Uh, uh, no, like I saw her like two years later, uh, and she uh, like. When I was in school, you know, she would she would have to talk to me and have to be nice to me, right? Because I was a student, yeah, right. And I see her like two years later, and she treats me like shit. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, okay, all right. Listen, bitch. bitch. Um, <laughs> Listen here, all right. You're never gonna make it in this town. I, I'll, I'll tell her. you what worked out for me yeah. was I I um, went into high school 
living with my dad and went to high school down there and Darko because I had just gotten kicked out of two different schools in a row. And so they had to put me so I went there and the kids there were really rough. I mean it was there was gangs in town and it was rough neighborhood. Yeah. Um so I I would get in fights in class with kids who wouldn't quit picking on me and the teacher would just stand there and wait till we got done fighting. And then the teacher would be like, the teacher would be like, all right, are you done? Can I go on with class now? Let me get back to the And I'd be like, uh, yeah, I guess. Are we, we're not going to go to the office? Okay. And he's like, no, you're not going to go to the office. You can go to the office after class is over. You're not going to waste my class time. Now sit down and shut up. And I'm just like, oh my God. (laughs) What's going to happen to me? Where, Where was this school my whole life? Um, See, maybe, maybe if, like, I, I have a feeling, though, that I, if... I had way more fun in high school because the teachers actually acted like they cared a little bit, and there was a lot of different kids there and a lot of different stuff going on. Bigger, I, bigger city. I have a feeling that if I had ever went to a, a school like that, I would have, I would have come out uh, a lot more troubled than... Probably. Because, like, I, like, I was so... I certainly did. <laughs> <laughs> I was so uh, troubled and so just so weird and socially awkward and full of anxiety that going into high school, I was worried about several things. I was worried about taking my clothes off in front of people in, in, in the locker room. Yeah, I, I, I didn't want to do that. I, I, yeah, I did I remember not, not. want to do that at all. I of course, I didn't really play sports because I was fat, so I didn't have to worry about that. I was worried about uh, opening up the lockers. Because mm-hmm. for some reason, even now, those combination locks... Never work for you? Uh, they would never work for me. Okay. I didn't know how to do it. And I was also worried about being you, stuffed in a locker. You but would be the person... You would be the person who would be worried about whether or not you could unlock a combination lock. And, and uh, yeah, I was so concerned about it. And the first time that I ever had to do it, I was just like, I'll just wear my regular clothes to gym. Just leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> of course you did. You're I'll, so I'll just weird. keep my stuff out. If it gets stolen, it's okay. I've got others' clothes. Oh my god! Uh, I was just a giant ball of insecurity. And were you super poor as a kid? Um, I would say we were um, lower middle class. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I lower was to super poor to as a like kid. Mid middle class. I was super poor as a kid, and my my mom would. <clears throat> try and scrounge up money to take me to do stuff on the weekends or for my birthday or whatever. Yeah. But there were a lot of times when it was just like, no, nah, you just you get used to being at home and you don't go out. And uh, I got used to that entertaining yourself type of thing. And uh, that's become a weird thing with me and Brooke, I've noticed, mm. is because she grew up in like an upper middle class white family and I grew up in a poor Indian family. So, Brooke's idea of fun almost always involves uh, a copious amount of money being spent. Like, and it's not like uh, on possessions. Yeah. It's just spent on having a good time. Well, yeah. Having the good time. I can love it with it there because that's, because I'm the type of, I hate sitting at home. I do not like just sitting at home. Like, See, whereas I'm like, I'll sit here all day. I don't give a shit. I get really depressed. <laughs> I don't want to go anywhere. Like, now granted, if I'm like... Yes, if, I know, because you used to live with us and you were only there two nights in a span of four months. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but like, if, if I'm like, 
if I'm somewhere where I can have just like a conversation with someone, yeah, and like I'm I'm okay then. But then once it gets quiet, then I'm just sitting there and I'm like, I don't know what to do. I need to leave. See, yeah, and, you you are like that, and that's very weird to me. Because I'm like, just you don't have to do anything, OT. It's, just, folks, it's when, when you're in the car with OT, he gets really weird because he feels like he has to say something the whole time not, you're in the not, car. I, I don't really anymore. And, I've fi- and we've finally broken you of that. Me and Landry have finally broken you of that. You can just sit in the car and listen to music. You don't have to talk, OT. Uh, I, no, I, it's a problem with me and Brooke because... I, I And I understand why she's like that, because she's the type of person that's like, the thing that's more important to her is not possessions, it's experience. Yeah. Like, she wants to experience things. She wants to go experience different cultures, and experience different places, and go on adventures, and do things, because that's, the experience to her is fun. Yeah. Which is fine. That's not necessarily a non-admirable quality. I mean, that's that's a that's a fun, good thing. But I'm the type of person that's like, yeah, but practically, when you going and experiencing things and experiencing other cultures and going places, almost always requires a large amount of money. You see, I because it's essentially taking a vacation. You see, I I, I and. When you have plenty of money, you could do that all day long. Mm-hmm. But when you don't have any money, you kind of just have to sit at home and do nothing. I, I know and how she, she hates feels that. She hates that because I'm very much like I I love to go out. Like for someone, it's weird. I, I'm in a very weird place because I I'm so socially awkward mm-hmm. and I don't know how to talk to people all that well unless I unless I just. Like, there's some people that I just feel comfortable around, and I can talk to them just as I'm talking to you right now. Well, sometimes you feel uncomfortable even around me, T. I've seen you do it. Uh, I mean, but then then there's other people that it's just, I don't ever feel uncomfortable around them, and I can just talk. Uh, and then there's some, like, like it's weird, because around my family, mm-hmm. I'm very, I can't talk, it's weird. Like, my brain doesn't <laughs> function properly. and Yeah, I don't know what's wrong with you. Yeah, I'm, I'm weird. Too. I'm a weird person. But um, for me, like, going going out and being around people mm-hmm. is fun for me. I don't, like, I if I go somewhere and I'll talk to people, like, I, like I, you know, I'll feel good. And then other times I can just go there and not say a thing and I'll still feel okay because I'm around other people. Right. Right? But just sitting by myself like sitting in, in a car by myself and I'm moving I feel good but just sitting at home for long periods of time I can't do it because I'm just I'm just there and I don't I I just I, I need to be out yeah doing something. I don't mind being out I I, I uh I don't know that I would mind I'll t- I, I mean I I I enjoy being at home alone by myself and spending time by myself all the time. I do for like but, two, three hours. <clears throat> yeah, I know. You're very bad. You have a very bad problem with it. Um, but I, I don't mind staying home and being home by myself all the time. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> I don't necessarily mind going out in public. I just have a hard time with it. If I'm going to go out in public, I want it to be a place like New York City mm-hmm. or... 
Los Angeles or, you know, a big city like that because people in those cities will literally ignore you and just do their own thing. Yeah, exactly. I, I hate being in public here because it's, it's a small everyone, town. Everyone like Everybody howdy. looks at you, says hi to you, talks to you, or if you're like me, they think you're fucking weird and they stare at you and are like, what the hell is that? What is that? Um, and I'm like, you know... Why don't you get back to your fucking hating black people uh, and leave me alone? Um, but so I, I would, if I'm going to go out, I'd much rather be in a city. I don't mind a big environment with lots of people. Um, I, like- I just, I hate this environment here. And I think that makes me want to go out less because every time I go out when I'm here, I inevitably get depressed and want to go home because I'm so disgusted with what, seeing how other human beings interact with each other, seeing the cluelessness in, in their actions and in their motivations and in the way that they talk to each other. And I'm like, these people have no fucking idea. They're not aware of anything. They just want to eat some food, watch TV and go home, have a beer. And then I'll go to bed and then I see end of the night, maybe have some sex, but you know, I don't want to think about pleasing my woman. What's that about? I just want to get off. <laughs> I just want to get off. Um, I just, and I'm so, it's it's so hard for me. Even friends. Mm. Even friends. You and, you and Landry I could hang out with and be, I could hang out with all day long and it's fine. But if I, even my other friends besides that, sometimes it's even hard to hang out with them. And it's really hard to go to a party with them. I, I, because that's one thing I can't do. I can't go to parties. Yeah, because people just... All I see is wall-to-wall millennials, people my age standing around trying desperately to act like they don't have any feelings or emotions mm-hmm. and trying desperately to avoid any topics or subjects that might require them to have feelings or emotions. And it just is so sickening because they're so consumed with... You know, every two seconds is let's take a Snapchat picture together, selfie time. Just put your and damn I'm, phone down. And I'm just like, why don't you just fucking be human beings and exist, you fucking pieces of shit? And I can't, I just can't, I can't do it. See, I, I can't do it. I will post I on social media. It's so hard for me to do but it. But I, I really, like, I will occasionally post on social media to promote something. Right. Uh, like, like, I'll post stuff on my Instagram. But I, I rarely use Facebook. And I just hate social media, and I and I hate like like being in a place. You you, you hate the idea that your work makes you use social media. I mean, I don't <laughs> hate it. I don't hate it, but I at the same time, like like I'll I'll see, you know, I'll, I'll see that you know, like where we need to to like to, like promoting something, you know, like right. I'm, I'm fine with that, you know. Um, a lot of it is that I just. I don't like, I, I I just don't like social media. You know, like I Why? I I just I don't know. Does it feel I, too invasive to you? I I feel it's just so I I hate the thought of having you know my my personal life just out in the open. Uh, yeah. For everyone yeah. to intrude on, hey, yeah, for that's everyone to see. Yeah. And it's definitely a thing that's kind of gross. Like, like those, the, like those, like really preppy white girls that you know like, well, just got a fresca. But see, but to you, but to you, 
the reason that's so gross to you is because you would actually you're thinking, oh, I've got to put my actual real life on here. Yeah. Whereas the the thing is, the people that are on social media, they're pretending that that's their real life. Yeah. But it's not. What they're doing is they're busy just all day long trying to cleverly, uh, and some people not very cleverly, um, construct this image that they want people to think that they are. Mm-hmm. So they can uh, have this life that they want people to think that they have. Mm-hmm. And it's all bullshit, and we know it's all bullshit, but we still try to act like it's real, like we're living our lives openly, like we're doing a valiant thing in today's time, in 2017, where we just live our lives openly and be transparent for everybody. And I'm like, no, you're not being transparent, you're being this fake thing that you want people to be, that you think that you are, that you want people to believe that you are. I use I use social media as a, um, as a and then you have promotion. those you have those people that are always on social media that are like I don't care what anybody thinks I'm just me and I'm like oh really then why have I heard 17 other people today on Facebook say that same thing and use that same meme and act like the same thing that you're acting like I used to I used to use like I used to like you know like post stuff and like try to be you know uh funny guy or whatever right, right, right. but I, like I by I, the way folks if you want to add OT on uh, Instagram it's that tall funny guy gross. his name is that tall funny guy that's gross uh, <laughs> that's, I don't know why your it's, name I, uh, yeah that tall funny guy it's awful I, someone said something and they were like you should put it in this and I was like alright whatever and so I gross. just changed it to that uh, that's why you shouldn't listen to people, OT. Yeah, I. Oh, that's that's something else I'll talk to you about. Um, but like, I'll use social media as a form of promotion. Like, I used to, you know, try to post stuff, but I'm not a I'm not a writer. Like, I, I like I'll post something and then I'll immediately get self conscious <laughs> about it. Like, that's not funny. Why did I, I didn't, put that? I didn't use enough comments. Uh, and like, because the stuff that I was posting just was not funny. And like, I would. But now, like I'm, I'm using it as self promotion. But that's the issue. I have to, I have to feel, uh, I have to be in the mood uh, to to post something in uh, yeah. promotion. Because otherwise, like I will go, I at one point in my life, I would feel as though I'd have to like you know text someone. Like if I was talking to a girl, I feel like you know if she texted me, I'd have to you know text her back or what have you. And now I'm getting to the point I hate. Like, the only reason why I'm ever even on my phone is to, like, uh, read articles or what have you. Like, right. I will read, you know, like, uh, wrestling articles or... Uh, yeah, I use my phone a lot to look up and, and find new information on things. But now I will just go date. Like, if I see someone text me, I'll, like, I'll try to get back to it, especially if it's, like, a word thing. Yeah. But I have just lost any and all desire to be... On your phone. On my phone. You know, you know what I've realized that I think is hilarious is that you and I, I have the, I use my phone um, to look up stuff on the internet all the time, new mm-hmm. subjects constantly. Right? That's basically eighty five percent of what I use it for. Um, and you just said you use it to look up stuff all the time too. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there are some people that that do that. Um, I'm sure we're part of a percentage of people that do that um but i think the majority of people with smartphones don't do that at all they don't use it to find out information or facts 
They use it to fuck around yeah. on social media and to play games and do stupid shit like that. And I think it's hilarious because I'm like, only fucking human beings would have the ability to have the knowledge of everything in the known universe in their fucking hand all day long. And would not use it as that, but instead use it to play fucking video games and take pictures of themselves fucking like morons. Um, and it just kill. I'm like, you you know, I see my little my cousins and stuff, and they're younger and they're in high school, and they're playing video games or listening to music, and I'm just like, you realize you have all the knowledge in the world on that thing. Yeah. And instead of using it to to learn something about the world or get smarter, you're fucking playing a goddamn game. You're playing Candy Crush. Right, you're playing a fucking Candy Crush saga. <laughs> what I, the I, fuck is the matter with you? Like I'm like my brothers. It makes me so mad. Like my brothers they'll they'll play, you know, a lot of video games, whether it be right. sports games or games on their phone or what have you. And like I have gotten like I haven't like I, I do own an Xbox, you know, it's it's right. you know, it's a fun thing to do every now and again. Yeah, I mean I have a PS I have a PS four. But I I haven't touched my Xbox in like two, three months. I can't I will go I'll It's been about two games. weeks since I've played my uh, like I'll I'll be get uh, to a I've certain point stuff. to where I'll be like I kind of want to play it, but then right. I'm like I have something going on today. I don't. Yeah. I don't. I don't want to. Yeah, I'll get in the moods where I'll play it for two or three days, uh, for a few hours a it's day. It's just hard for me to do that anymore. And then I, I don't touch it for like two or three weeks. Like it's just it's really hard for me to to do that and to go back to my youth. To where I could just, you know, mindlessly play a video game. Well, see, I could never do that. I was never... First of all, I was poor, so I didn't have the current video game systems. I had the old ones, like a loser. Um, I was one of those kids. But two, I just couldn't... I couldn't get it... I'm I'm not a person who's good at video games and, like, wants to beat the video game and tries to get really skilled at it. Like, I could never do that. I'm a person who wants to put it on the easiest setting possible, raise all the stats of my characters, and beat the fuck out of everything in the game because it's fun to me. It's fantasy to me. Yeah. I, I was one of those... I it's not fun to, to me to lose over and over and over and over and over until I can finally beat something. I would create a storyline or right. uh, create a, uh, a card because uh, I'm, I'm big into wrestling games. And I, you know, I book you know the matches or whatever. But I used I would play video games purely as a creative outlet. Right. Yeah, that's kind of what. I, Brooke laughs at me because I spend a good anytime I'm playing a game, I spend a good ninety percent of playing it of my playing time creating the player and creating outfits and creating things for the game, and then I play it for ten minutes and turn it off. <laughs> she always laughs at me. Like I like once once I started uh, getting into to to comedy and getting into. Ladies and gentlemen, little bee's here. Hey. And she looks so good in her jeans. Come here, let me see you. Come in the light. The, the light's on in the room. Do a little spin. I want to see your little jeans. Oh, you look so... It's been so long since you've worn regular you, jeans. You see more hips than you see jeans, though. So. I like hips, though. I'm it's a big a hips too man. Much hips. And I love it when you don't wear makeup, hippie. either. Well, that's been every day because I just, I just give up. I'm just giving up. I'm Something married now. I've gained 20 pounds. I've gained 20 pounds. I'm not even married. My house is ill-kept. Yeah, well. I don't get it. I'm in a weird slump. 
I, you know, I am too. But, oh. uh, I started working my way out of it by. Uh, What's the secret? Because I've been in this slump so. for like a good four months now. It's, I'm just doing art, is all I'm doing. Oh, it must be nice. You want to trade? Uh, no, not really. Okay. Well, I don't really want to work in an office. Really, Sorry. It's just really weighed me down. Yeah. See, I think that would make me like care even less, though. And it's made really, me care even less. And then I would become like in like that person in the commercial who literally melts into the furniture. In that ridiculous <laughs> in the pot commercial. commercial? The yeah. ridiculous I, pot commercial. That would happen to me, I think. Though. You're that's the, person the that's who my next the... step. Yeah. I, I smoked weed like two days ago and then I was leaving my dad's house yesterday and I tried to get into someone's car that wasn't mine. <laughs> <laughs> of course you did. I don't know if you know this OT, but we're recording right now. Oh shit. Yeah. That's on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny um well it's not like uh they drug test at your job or anything it's not like it's an important requirement what are you doing little b i'm really sweaty it's really hot outside so i'm gonna yeah. change okay well me and ot will wrap up the podcast soon and then i was at Fish fry at work, to work, and I just felt really uncomfortable and out of place. Yeah. Only in Oklahoma would they have a fish fry at your work. That's what I feel on all family reunions of mine. It's really uncomfortable. <laughs> it's super uncomfortable. And there was this woman sitting across from me, and she's like a higher up executive, but she had she didn't have a she was she really needed to wear a camisole. Yeah. And, uh, that's all I could see was just tits the whole time, and I just felt really uncomfortable. Ooh, and I was just like, yikes. but it was like tits that you don't necessarily want to see. Yeah, but it's like you can unsee them. Yeah, because they're just all out. They yeah. are there. They're just. And at one point, out. this at one point, this older man came by, and he like acted like he was talking about her food. Mm-hmm. But I was watching but him, was and I was like, just wanting he's to check totally out the tits. Just wanting to get a closer look at those it's, tits. It's one of those, he's, and he's one of those guys that loves tits. OT, you know what I'm talking about. The guys that are really in the, <laughs> this guy knows what the, the about. guys that are really in the tits to the point where they're just like, oh yeah, I just want giant 10 gallon saggy so, tits. They're so vocal All in my it. face. Oh, oh. They're and I'm so like, that vocal. is the most disgusting thing I've ever seen in my life. I just love how he, how he was trying to be so sly about it. Like leaned in and was like, oh, what you got there? A brownie? A little blah, blah, blah. And I'm really? like, I see you. Really, he was like, what what you got there? Some cleavage going on? Titties. Yeah. And it was like hot and everyone was sweating. So like you could just just, see beads of sweat rolling into your pit cleavage. I've just never understood why guys are like, there's guys that are so in the tits that they just want the biggest, saggiest tits ever. And the bigger and saggier they are, the more the guy's like, oh, yeah, I want to come all over them. And I'm like, that is disgusting. Speaking of tits, did you know, I heard this today. Did you know that in Japan, you know how we do fake boobs here and it's mainly like silicone? Yeah. Well, in Japan, they actually use like fat Ooh. in their fake tits, like actual. Gross. And like so, it's a sack of fat or just raw fat? Just, I'm pretty sure raw fat, but I'm Ooh. not for sure I, how that gross. works. But they look obviously more real because it is They're really squishy. fat. Yeah. And Oof. 
don't know. I mean, obviously, it's probably healthier for your right. body rather well, than plastic. In your you know, when they do penis enlargement on guys, you know mm-hmm. what they do? They inject some of their own fat into the shaft of their penis. Like butt fat? I don't know. And see, but I don't know why they, we don't do it in America because we definitely have penis. way more fat to go around. Right. Extra fat. Yeah, than, we need to be putting this Japanese. fat to work. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, we need to. I, I, mean, they could, I feel like we could make America could make money off of this by selling our extra fat to, yeah. these, to these Asian countries. I'd sell some of my fat. We don't really have any fat. We could probably. I mean, cut if they want to come over and get our, it uh, out of my body, they can have as much of it as they want. We could take all of my. Fat. We could cut down on how much money we owe China. Like, just be like, take it China. out of our, take our it out China. of our, uh, our fat. China. You can get a lot of it just China. from the south. Why do you keep repeating it? Because that's how Donald Trump says China. it. Oh. China. 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 Anyway, anyway, so that's me. Now I'm going to go change because I'm really sweating gross. Right, well, come give me a kiss. You look really good. You look your pants. And I might, I have to work, probably have to work late. Okay. So, um. It's okay. I'll hang out with OT. But do you want me to meet you at Nick's house for the I'm for taking the game? it back to work. So I can have the car. I thought you were going to be with OT, though. OT, how long are you staying here? Are you going to stay for the game and watch it at Nick's with us? Game. The finals. I mean, yeah, go watch it. Okay. Or do you have stuff to do tonight? I mean, I have stuff going on later tonight. But like I, how like late? Like how later tonight? Like nine. The game starts at eight. I mean, so he can at least go over there and watch it. For oh, a little it's bit. not important. I mean, it's not important things. Oh, so you can just hang out tonight? Then? I can hang out. Tonight. Okay, cool. So you're going to go riding with I OT? I guess. I mean, I would like to have my car. You mean my car? That's big and roomy to ride around in. But well. You know. I don't want to, I'm trying to help, like, yeah, OT gets sexually aroused by the seats. I'm trying to help you by you not having to stop and come and pick me up, you see what I'm saying, like, I'm being selfless here. Why don't you take OT's car, and we'll take the Buick. Oh my god, (laughs) That thing's a magnet for getting pulled over. Well, why don't you come give me a kiss before you leave, then? So, maybe I want more, I know you're, yeah, I know you want that dick. (laughs) She just touched my dick, folks. All right. Anyway, OT, what were we talking about? Video Uh, games and playing? uh, Okay, so uh, once I started doing improv and once I started doing comedy and getting into acting and all that, that's that's whenever I started uh, just finally having that creative outlet. Because for, like, all... Uh, up until that, all my life, up until you know the past, you know five six years, I you didn't had have no that. idea you were creative. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like I didn't. Like I, I would constantly be creating like storylines, and but once I, once, like once I, like the past five six years, once I started to have that creative outlet, like yeah. I it finally, like I stopped wanting to you know uh, play video games. I stopped wanting to to do that because I finally had something that I could have that creative outlet over because like uh, up until you know that past five six years I would be like sitting in my house and I would come up with like ideas for movies but of course you know I couldn't like write the scripts or anything because uh, you know I'm not really I'm not a good writer you know Um, but I would have these ideas constantly and I would just 
like tr- like you play like video games or something to to get those ideas out and then whenever i started doing comedy it's like I finally had that creative outlet now i just want to go and just constantly be uh in a in an uh, in a place where i can create you know um and well, luckily you are now ot finally oh, i have arrived ot finally found his place oh, in the world i i finally found somewhere where i belong <laughs> Uh, but like you know no, what it's not your fault you were born in North Texas I was born in North Texas Denison, Texas gross uh, but I mean it feels it feels good to finally have that creative outlet and sure like I'm still weird and socially awkward and when I go to these places it's hard for me to talk to people still but I still have that that stage that I can get on and right. express uh, you know, what, whatever, Bye, baby. whatever goes into my mind, yeah. and I can still uh, get up there and have that outlet to uh, get out all of my energy and all of my all of my uh, aggression, and I can just uh, get it all out there and have that space to do so, and it's really nice. Yeah, that's the best thing about being an artist is uh, <clears throat> that's when you start to really succeed is when you find your little group. And I think with me, you, and Landry, and, and B, that's our little group. And now that we've finally found each other... We're a family! We've been, me and B have been talking about that, how me, you, uh, her, and Landry are the type of people that nobody else likes us, and we don't really have a lot of friends. <laughs> so That is totally to, me! Well, so we're forced to be friends. So we've magically found each other somehow. Uh, um, all right, you want to get out of here and go get something to eat, OT? Have you eaten lunch yet? Uh, I have not. You want to uh, get something eat. to eat? Or are you sure. Hungry? Sure, I could eat. I could eat some food. I could. I could stuff my face with with food. Uh, okay. What do you want to <laughs> eat? <clears throat> uh. Are you feeling like some Chinese? Or I'm feeling some Chinese. Or you want some Arby's? Or I, I, OT needs uh, Chinese. You want o, Chinese uh, OT? OT needs Chinese. You want some Chinese. Food. Okay. O, T, OT. You want to go to King Buffet? King Buffet. You want to go to King Buffet? OT. Uh, sure. I can go to King Buffet. I can go a little King Buffet. Do a little King Buffet. Do a little King. All right. We'll go there uh, if you want to go. I I like I uh if I could talk about one more thing though. Oh, okay. You got something to pitch? I, 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 yeah, I got, yeah, no. I got, uh, I got uh, one last little uh, little thingy. Yeah, do your pitch. What do you got? Uh, so, I, uh, I was at, I, I was, help, I was taking my brother to get his haircut, mm-hmm. and uh, waiting like it took two hours, two hours, an hour wait, and then yeah. an hour for him to get his haircut, right? And I go over to uh, Coldstone Creamery uh, to get like a um, like a milkshake or something. I don't remember what I was getting. And whenever I was there, there was these really uh, there there was these you know young white girls there, and they were mm-hmm. uh, they were just you know laughing and just talking about you know like whatever uh, they had going on that day. And I remember as I was sitting there. I remember thinking at that time, oh, I remember five, six years ago when I was like that, just happy to be, right. uh, to, to exist. <clears throat> and now, and then, then I, and then I, 
And then I started thinking to myself now, and I'm like, oh, that was before life happened. <laughs> and it started to rip me apart. Mm-hmm. And and now I realize how bitter I am as a human being. And, like, I almost long for that, that innocence, that high school innocence, that child-like uh, innocence. Uh, See, and, I, I want the opposite of that. Like, I don't get me wrong, I love where I'm at in life. Uh, but I, I still, at times, long for that that feeling of just no responsibility. Right. Uh, but, with that being said, I also like where I'm at now in life, because like I said before, having that creative outlet. Right. See, I, I've gotten to the point where I am now because... Uh, when Sully died, when my mm-hmm. son died, it took about <clears throat> two or three years of just being completely alone mm-hmm. to finish, uh, I guess, the processing of everything uh, and the moving on. And then it, and then it's taken another uh, five years since then, mm-hmm. or another two years since then, um, to get to where I am now. Um, as a person and mentally, and I love where I am now, yeah. and I'm 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 at a level of more open, completely awareness um, about the world and about existence and about human I've gotten beings. to that and, point, <clears throat> and I wish that I had been at that point. I wish that I was at this point six or seven years ago, because I could have gotten so much more done. Uh, because I'm 30 now, and I'm basically starting at 30. It's interesting and that I you say that. I wish that I could start all that at like I, 22 or something. I was just thinking about that uh, actually on my way over here. Uh, I was thinking about where I was, you know, five, six years ago in, mm-hmm. in what I'm doing. And because when, when I started five, six years ago doing, doing comedy, like I, like I didn't. I didn't know that there was all these different improv places to go to, and I didn't know that that was there. And I would just go to like these these free jam sessions at these improv places that weren't really uh, improv. Yeah. Like, like it was just a group of people getting together and just goofing off, pretty much. And that kind of, that gave me a confidence, and eventually got me uh, working for MMC. And. I, I was thinking about it today. I was like, I don't know that if I would have just started doing improv at these different improv institutions around DFW, I don't know if I would have been able to... I, I don't necessarily know if I would have still um, had that desire. I don't know if I would have been discouraged uh, when I... Like, if I would have gotten into those different places fresh out of high yeah. school. I think I might have been discouraged because of mm, the skill level yeah. and I didn't I didn't really I, I don't know if I would have had that that mentality of just get up there and not be like not be in my head because right. when I because when I started doing those improv jams I would just go up there and just whatever happened happened and I wasn't like I, I wasn't uh, in my head I think if I would have went there and seen the way they all did it I think I would have been in my head and wouldn't have wouldn't have learned that uh wouldn't have gotten that um that learning experience through doing it uh in those other places i wouldn't have learned about myself as a performer 
Right. Yeah, I, I think that I, <clears throat> I think that I would be a lot different if I didn't have Brooke, just yeah. because Brooke is uh, Brooke is uh, extremely arty, and and a lot of the time she's more abstractly artistic than I am. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's a person who really has herself together uh, in in a business way. Mm-hmm. Um, she really has her shit together. And I'm a person who's more of a raw artist where it's like, I don't have anything together. I just want to make my art and go on. I don't give a fuck about anything else. Mm-hmm. And so she, she really balances that out really well and has really gotten me to be more mature and professional and business-oriented and organized. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if I didn't have her, that, that definitely wouldn't be the case. See, that's my... I think I need to be a little more organized. Because <laughs> my, my first wife... Um, was completely different in every way mm-hmm. and was the complete opposite and was very, like, tough and just, you know, you just do stuff because you're supposed to and because you need to. And she was really responsible as well, but just in a completely different way and uh, didn't have time for nonsense. And so, you know, obviously, if you're a person who doesn't have time for nonsense, then you're definitely not going to be able to put up with me for very long yeah um but so i yeah i think brooke's been a tremendous help on kind of balancing me out um and getting me to be more professional and on time about my artistic pursuits Mm -hmm. i think over the past two three years like some of uh i i think that my like my real um breakthrough uh mm-hmm. was was just uh you know having uh, you know all, all these like different things happening you know whether it be like a breakup or death uh yeah. someone that I'm close to dying and I think that that um definitely made me a little bitter uh but through that I think that it also uh, matured me and made me um see uh, not only the world, but see myself in a different light, and I and I think that that's helped me grow uh, as a person as well as an artist. Yeah, I think it's definitely important that de- death will always do that to people, and it's not the only thing that can do that to people, but it's definitely something that does. Yeah, um, a tremendous loss or death, you know, definitely does that to people, and. Essentially, what's happening is the person is becoming humbled and broken in in the most wonderful way possible that allows yeah. them to be more of a person, to be a more complete. We all and I and I and I I'm a big proponent of everyone being humbled and completely broken down as a human being, because it just I just think it helps you be a more complete person. Yeah. Um, and I think that's innately part of the human experience because death is inevitable, is inevitable. Yeah. Extreme loss and extreme lows are inevitable. And so I feel like you don't really become complete as a person until you've tremendously lost something and had to, uh, rearrange your entire existence as a person. And there's things that can do that and take you to that place. Like, you know, if you were going to meditate, if you were going to start practicing meditation, 
Um, it doesn't have to be loss or death. I mean, it could you could do it through meditation or even through, and this is controversial, obviously, but even through like um, psychedelic drugs, you know, you can do it. Um, and I've certainly experienced those realms, which have helped as well. But yeah, I mean, I think I'm a, I'm a big proponent of recommending that for everybody. I don't think everybody can do it in the same way, but I think that it's definitely good for everybody. I, like, for me, when I, uh, when I, when I went through, like, the different stuff that I, that I went through, like, I, I really started to realize it just late last year, Mm -hmm. uh, on into this year, how much I've changed. Because, uh, you know, like, going back, you know, four years ago, I was an entirely different person. I was uh, very naive. I was very, um, to, to quote a friend of mine, uh, I was a, a nice guy, but uh, my friend said, and I and I agree with him, being a nice guy also makes you a push pushover. Right. So I was very much a pushover. And now... I'm uh, going through all that stuff. I'm definitely, uh, you know, I, I would consider myself to be, uh, uh, you know, a nice person. I, I, yeah. I, I would even go as far as to say maybe even at times I'm a bit of a pushover. Mm-hmm. Um, but not to the extent that I was, you know, four years ago. And I'm... Well, I think part of that, part of that is that you started hanging out with me and Landry. As much as you hate to admit it. Well, I no, I don't hate to admit. It. I, I like I would agree with that. It's part of partly because you've been hanging out with me and Landry, and we started putting you through the ringer. That's what it was. I mean, I will say this: hanging out with you two has definitely um, made me see uh, some of the stuff going on around me. Mm-hmm. Uh, like before that, I met before I started hanging out with y'all. Yeah. And it's uh, definitely opened my eyes to the way that I've always kind of thought about things. And it has opened my eyes to the way that I've I've always kind of view the world. But but, I, but what is the single big event that changed everything for you? What do you mean? What is the single big event in your life that's happened to you that has kind of changed you... Uh, recently into becoming a full-fledged on your way to becoming that full-fledged matured artistic creative person um probably uh don't look at me and say what there's i don't don't know what you're talking about a significant event in your life that's happened recently that has made you it can't just be me and landry it can't just be you just one day woke up and were like, you know, I think there's more to the world than I thought. You know, I might just be a creative artist after all. Uh, there has to have been something that triggered it to you. Um, it was probably, uh, probably finally coping with, with, uh, like breakups and, and your own issues and my own issues and uh, 
coping with my own issues and my my breakups and my losses of of loved ones and finally just starting to um realize that uh despite all of the the shit that that I've went through whether it be uh you know like I said breakups or uh stuff that has happened throughout my life uh realizing that that uh is kind of what connects me to my art and has connected me to uh you know what I'm doing is uh, given me that um, that creative outlet because you know not not being a socially person I uh, socially uh, not being a social person and not being a um, not being someone that um, was uh, what what is it introvert or extrovert or what? extrovert extrovert yeah. Uh, not being someone that was, you know, uh, so, um, uh, extroverted. Yeah. Extroverted. Uh, not being someone that was, you know, able to just go out there and talk to people and have like a, a social life, uh, made me just have to just sit at home or sit in, in class or sit in the lunchroom and kind of gave me that creative mind. Therefore, um, because I, I wasn't a social person. I, I had to just sit there and just think. And then whenever I got older and started going through all this different stuff, started hanging out with y'all, started hanging out with, uh, you know, the, the different people that I've started hanging out with, then I'm like, oh, there are people out there that are like me. And mm-hmm. there are people out there that, that think the way that I think and that uh, go through uh, some of the stuff that I've went through. I'm and not such a crazy person. I'm not so such a crazy person stay anymore. Stay quiet and stay out of the way. Um, and it's okay that I'm like that because yeah. I'm not alone in this world. So, folks, you know, I think if you're out there <clears throat> and you're thinking, I'm just a weird, strange, crazy person who nobody likes, maybe that's not the case. Maybe the case is maybe you're creative and you're just not utilizing your creative talents so it's making you depressed and stressed because I know that's certainly what happens when I don't um, anyway I think we can leave the episode at that OT we're almost at two hours which is uh, about 30 or 40 minutes longer than I normally want to go <laughs> well say goodbye OT bye ladies and gentlemen unfortunately the, this has been uh this has been O.T. Mitchell um, on my podcast. Uh, all right, I'll see you next week, and we'll have we'll be back to our usual depressing uh, uh, philosophical uh, discussions um, about existentialism and the human experience. Uh, anyway, all right, O.T. I'll see you later. Bye. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye. Yes. In association with. Channel 4.5 Productions presents Assault and Flattery with Joel Dameron. They are hipster glasses. I see all the black players wear at NBA press conferences, which are ironically also worn by preppy white girls on Facebook. I will never wear you or let you touch my face or even graze my skin. 
But it's not because I'm an elitist douchebag. It's because you make your wares look f***ing ridiculous. This episode is brought to you by Channel 4 and a Half. It's home to some of the best and widest array of podcasts, web series, and live events, including the show Opinions Like A-Holes. This is an entertainment review podcast hosted by comedians Michael Zampino and Hilton Price. The guys take on everything entertaining, from movies to music to bikes to trains to video games. Featuring weekly guest musicians, writers, artists, or comedians, it's the greatest podcast there is. Opinions Like A-Holes, only on Channel4and1half.com. Channel 4 and a Half, creating art on a local level.